And uh, we are beginning our Christmas series today called Joy to the World. And I'm so excited about this series for two big reasons. The first one is I love this song. I love the song Joy to the World. It is probably my all-time favorite Christian Christmas song. And it always has been as long as I could remember going back to when I was a kid. I think that I've always had a love for this song, Joy to the World, because I am a naturally joy-filled person. You know what I'm saying? Like you hear Joy to the World come on and you're like, yes. All the joy-filled people are like, yes, it is the season for joy. Don't tell me to be quiet. No, I got joy in my soul, brother, and it's about to come out. Because it's, it's Christmas time. Come on, this is a season of joy. And I've always been that way. As long as I can remember, the joy people at Christmas are like, yeah, baby, it's, ti- it's our time. Woo! Joy to the world. In fact, there's a video of, of, uh, of me when I was like four years old. My grandparents had it for years, and then it got lost, you know, 10, 15 years ago. We don't know what happened to it. The FBI may have confiscated it. We're not really sure. But the video is me at four and I'm jumping up and down on one of those exercise trampolines. You know what I'm talking about? One of the little ones that people used to have in their, in their living rooms. And I'm just jumping up and down. And I am singing to the top of my lungs every song that I know, including Joy to the World. So I'm just jumping and I'm like, Joy to the World. You know, I'm just going at it. I'm in my underwear uh, just to complete the whole picture at four years old, right? So I'm jumping and I'm singing. I'm in my underwear. My brother didn't like it. He's a couple of years younger than me. And he wanted to get on the trampoline, and he was scared because I was jumping so high. And he was like, Brian, stop singing. Brian, stop jumping. And I was like, no way. You know why I said no way? I wasn't trying to be mean. But I said no way because, like Buddy the Elf, I know that the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. And that's what I'm about. I'm a joy-filled person. I like joy. I like songs about joy. I like joy to the world. And I like to sing it at the top of my lungs. When I was a young teenager... I was the drummer at our church back home in Georgia, and, you know, we had a pretty traditional church growing up. Uh, We kind of did traditional music a lot, and uh, one of the things that we did every Sunday back then was we did a special song during the service called an offertory. Okay, now the offertory was played during the offering. Does anybody remember that? We used to pass the buckets or pass the plates. You'd pass it to your neighbor, and you would look to see if they put anything in. You know you did it. You're judging them. You're like, did you put something in today? Well, the song that you play for the offering is called the Offertory. And um, we played it uh, every, every Sunday, and, the, you know, there's usually no, no singing during that time. It was just kind of the time for the band to shine, and I was probably 12, maybe 13 years old, and it was Christmas time, and I was back there on the drums, and we're getting ready for the offertory, and we never practiced it. We never knew what we were going to do ahead of time. We just kind of went with whatever the pianist wanted to play, and I remember she turned around, and she said, joy to the world, joy to the world, and I was like, yes, my favorite Christmas song. We're not playing Silent Night today. No, no, we're not playing Away in a Manger. We're not playing anything quiet and soft. We are playing Joy to the World, and I got so excited back there on the drums because I thought, man, I love this song. This is my favorite Christmas song. This is great. And then it dawned on me that I have never played Joy to the World on the drums in my life. And I don't know really how to play it. Now, it wasn't like it is today when you've got these awesome worship versions and Chris Tomlin and the one we did to start off the service today. You know, back then, all you had was the traditional joy to the world. And so I'm racking my brain. And, you know, the pastor's praying over the offering, and I know he's about to stop. And I'm like, what do I do? And I'm thinking, is it a march? Should I just kind of hang out on the snare? The whole time I was like, no, that's not cool enough. And so I'm trying to figure it out. And while I'm still trying to figure it out, the prayer has stopped. The pianist has played the intro. And I still don't know what to do. And she goes into the song, and I'm doing nothing. 
I'm literally sitting on the drums going. And so she turns and looks at me, and the look in her face was not joy-filled at all. It was angry. Oh, my goodness, it was angry. And I thought, I got to do something or she's going to throw something at me. And so I started playing the only thing I felt in my heart to play in that moment. And what came out of me was the most rocking version of Joy to the World ever known to man. I'm telling you, I was like, Joy, I was like, oh, yes, this is how you play this song. The old women cringed with fear. But the young men started to bob their heads in a church-appropriate way and said, yes, yes, that is how that song goes. It was my finest moment up to that time in my life because I delivered real joy to the congregation that day, and it would be remembered for all time. Joy to the World is a rock song. It's an epic rock song. And I really do love this song. I really do. And I'm excited about this series because over the next few weeks, we're going to dive into the theology in the verses that are contained in this epic Christmas song, Joy to the World. But there's another reason that I'm excited about doing this series, Joy to the World, this year for Christmas. And that's because I feel like there is a major deficiency of joy in our world right now. Come on, everybody's walking around like they're living in darkness. The Bible says that for the people living in darkness, a light has dawned. He's talking about the light of Jesus Christ. He is the light of the world, and he came to bring joy. And this has got to become the message of the church and Christ's followers everywhere that we are joy-filled people. We're not like everybody else. Come on, we've got a reason to get excited and be happy and celebrate because Jesus Christ has come. When he came to the earth, he brought joy to the world. So I hope you'll join me each week over the next month here as we unpack the theme of joy to the world together. And I want to start this series right here with verse one, joy to the world, the Lord is come. We have joy today because the Lord has come. Look at it with me in Luke chapter two, verse eight, part of the Christmas story. Luke chapter two, verse eight through verse 11. This is what the Bible says. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Let's pray and ask God to speak to our hearts today through his word. Father, we thank you again for the opportunity that we have to worship you, God, to come together, Lord, and in an excited way, in a joy-filled way, sing and worship you. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to us today through your word. I pray, God, that it would take root in our hearts and it would produce Christ-likeness in us. God, I pray for an infusion of joy today for your people. God, joy that would overcome sadness and doubt and despair. Lord, let the joy of the Holy Spirit flood our hearts today as we dive into your word. And we thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say amen. 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 Well, the birth of Jesus signaled joy to the world. And I want to talk a little bit about this joy today and what it means to receive and live in the joy of the Lord. I'm going to give you three things about this joy. Three things about this joy. Here's the first one. This joy is different than happiness. The joy that Christ came to bring us at Christmas is different 
than happiness. And now we use these words interchangeably sometimes, don't we? We, we, they kind of work together. We think happiness and joy, they kind of go together. But the truth is there is a massive difference between joy and happiness. And what the world is focused on right now is doing everything that it can to make itself happy and achieve a higher degree and a higher level of happiness. But what the world really needs is more joy. We all need more joy. It's not just the people out there. It's us in here. We need more joy. And the reason we need joy is because your soul was formed and fashioned by God to run on joy. You cannot survive on happiness alone. I heard a story recently about a guy who bought a, a, a new diesel truck. And he had been uh, saving up for this truck for a long time, and he was excited about getting it, always wanted to drive a diesel truck, and he finally got it and was so excited, and, and, uh, and, and he drove it around for a couple of weeks after he bought it from the dealership, and everything was fine, and then he, you know, he, needed, he needed some gas, he needed some fuel, so he went to the gas station to fill it up, and he just completely forgot that he's supposed to put diesel in a diesel truck. So he put regular old unleaded gasoline in the truck, and he got back in, and he drove about a mile down the road, and then the engine began to sputter, and then it just stopped. Well, I mean, he was completely absent-minded to the fact that he's the one who calls this. So he calls the dealership, and he goes off on him. He's like, you sold me a defective vehicle. I want you to come and get this truck. And, you know, they come and get it. It's under warranty, all that kind of stuff. They take it back, and they call him, and they say, sir, you know, the problem is real simple. You put gasoline in the truck, and it's diesel. You bought a diesel truck. You have to put diesel fuel in the truck for it to go. Unleaded gasoline won't work. And he argued with me. He said, I didn't do that. I know better than that. But sure enough, that's exactly what he had done. He had put regular unleaded gasoline in his diesel truck, and his truck, the engine, the motor, was not designed to run on gas. It was designed to run on diesel. Listen, our souls were designed to run on joy and not happiness. And one of the biggest lies that the world keeps telling us and we keep believing is that we just need to make ourselves more happy. We need to do something that will cause us to feel more happy and be more happy in our lives. But what keeps happening is we get about a mile down the road and then we stop again. And we shut down. What's going on? Our souls are not made to run on happiness alone. It needs joy because joy feeds and sustains our soul and happiness can't do that. Here's why. Happiness is controlled by happenstance. Happiness, your happiness, rises and falls based on your happenings. So the level of your happiness and what you feel at any given time is contingent on your outward circumstances and what's going on externally, outwardly. And this is what that looks like. So you think, okay, uh, you're working hard at work, you're doing a good job, you know, your boss notices that and he responds by giving you a bonus or a raise. That makes you feel happy. But if you work hard and you do everything you're supposed to do and you're putting in extra time and you're doing a great job and the boss could care less, he doesn't even notice, that makes you feel sad. One of the greatest Christmas movies of all time uh, showed this exact thing when Clark W. Griswold was expecting to get a bonus check from his office and instead he got enrolled to the Jelly of the Month Club. He was very upset. Was he feeling happy in that moment? No, he wasn't because the outward circumstances didn't allow him to feel happy. This is what it looks like. If I invest in the stock market and my stock performs well and it gives me more money back, that makes me feel happy. But if that stock value tanks and I lose money, that doesn't make me feel happy. That makes me feel sad. 
If things are going well in my marriage and we're communicating well and we're on the same page and we're spending quality time together and Carmen's making my favorite foods and we're getting plenty of alone time, if you know what I'm saying. Come on. That makes me feel happy. But if I'm stuck eating asparagus for dinner and then I get rejected at the end of the night, that makes me feel sad. That hurts my feelings. I want you to understand happiness is a feeling. It's based on what's happening around you. Happiness is from the outside in. Outside circumstances have the power to tell me how to feel on the inside. That's what happiness is. Good things happening on the outside means I'm happy on the inside. But bad things happening on the outside means I'm not happy on the inside. Your soul cannot run on happiness alone because happiness just does not last very long. And yet that's the thing that we keep striving for. That's the thing that we, that we go after continually. We, we just we, we go for it. We look for it. We, we're just always looking for something that will make us more happy and keep us happy. But in the long run, it just doesn't work because it just can't be sustained. And if you make your life decisions based on your happiness alone, then your life will look something like a roller coaster. It's up and down. It's one extreme to the other. It's extreme happiness, but then it's extreme sadness. All of me, my emotions, my thought life, my actions, how I relate to God, how I relate to others, it's like a roller coaster. It rises and falls, determined based on what's happening by my outside circumstances, listen, which are beyond your control. There's a huge flaw in living your life that way. You were not created to go from one extreme to the other like that, it's unsustainable. And in the long run, it makes us miserable. Listen, I love roller coasters as much as the next person, but I don't want to live my life on one. Come on, you get tired of it after a while, right? You get a headache after a while. And some of you, literally, that's how you've been living your life. It's up and down, up and down, up and down. It's emotionally taxing. It hurts your heart. You were not fashioned and created to live your life that way. So here's the good news. There's a better way to live. And that's the same good news that the angels delivered to the shepherds on that first Christmas night. When they told them, you can live with real and lasting joy that does not come and go because the Lord has come and he's come to stay. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He has come to stay here with us. And he brought the joy of heaven with him when he came. Joy is different than happiness. While happiness comes from the outside in, joy comes from the inside out. Joy does not fluctuate and change based on the circumstances outside of us because regardless of our circumstances, joy abides in our souls and in our hearts. And when it's present on the inside, it impacts the outside rather than the other way around, the the outside impacting the inside. This is what Jesus was talking about. In John chapter 7, verse 37 and 38, where the scripture says, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and in in a loud voice, he said, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. If you're thirsty, quit looking for it over there. Quit looking for it over there. Quit running for all these things that they're promising happiness over here and over there. No, no. If you're thirsty, come to me. And look at verse 38. He says, Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, watch this, rivers of living water will flow from within them 
It's not from the outside in, it's from the inside out. And see, that's the reason that Christmas means joy. It means joy because Jesus is our joy. And when he came from heaven to earth, he came to take up residence in your heart. He's inside of you. He's working in you. He's flowing out of you all the way to the outside because joy does not come from the outside in. It works from the inside out. And when you stop chasing happiness and you start living out joy, the roller coaster that has been your life begins to straighten out too. The Bible declares in Isaiah chapter 45 too, it says, I, the Lord your God, will make your crooked path straight. Does that sound good to anybody? The crooked paths, the headache, the whiplash, the polar extremes I've been living in, they've got to become straightened out. We call that living with balance. How does God do it? Well, he does it by giving us his son, Jesus, so that we can have relationship with him and actually live in that relationship with him. He comes and he takes residence in our hearts so that we no longer live our lives chasing down all of these empty promises and running after all of these empty dreams and chasing after the promise of happiness from the world, chasing this up here and this over there, living this crazy emotional roller coaster type of life. We can live differently. We can live simply connected to the Jesus who is inside of us. And then the outflow of our daily lives will become everything that he has for us. Not what we can produce for ourselves. Not what we can build for ourselves. But what he is producing in us from the inside out. That's the life that God has called us to live in Christ Jesus. And listen to me. It's so much better. The scripture says, taste and see that the Lord is good. It is so much better. It says that his loving kindness is better than life. He is so much better. Living with his joy that is continual in your life is so much better than chasing happiness from the world. And I want to be clear because, look, I, I like happy, okay? I like being happy. I like when my team wins. I liked it when the Braves won the World Series. Come on, that was a special moment. I like to eat my favorite foods. Anybody else get happy when you eat good food? I mean, my whole, my whole demeanor changes. Like, I, I just get really excited when I go to Cracker Barrel, and I put that biscuit in my mouth. You know, something happens. Praise God. I like, being, I, like, I like having a good hair day. And it's hard to do that when you play drums before you preach because you got to wear these headphones and your hair gets all shoveled back here. Like, but I like having It makes me happy. I like being happy. We all do. But happiness alone is not enough to sustain me. My soul cannot run on happy. My soul needs joy. The world is chasing happy, but you don't have to live your life that way because what you really need is joy. So let me ask you today, let me just do a self-assessment right now, if you would, okay? Are you living from the outside in or from the inside out? Be honest with yourself right now. And let me ask it, let, let, let me ask it this way. Have you given external circumstances the power to determine your value, your worth, your thoughts, and your actions? Have you given external circumstances that are beyond your control the power to determine your value, your worth, your thoughts, and your actions? You say, well, I did that because they did this. Or I thought this about myself because of what they said. Your value, your worth, your thoughts, your actions, all of it, is it being controlled by external circumstances? Or do your external circumstances have to bow to the God of all joy that is living inside of you? And sustaining you with his mighty power. See, happiness is different than joy. And I'm talking about a radically different way to live your life today. 
Jesus came. He didn't come to just make you happy. He came to give you joy. And that joy can sustain you. We're talking about three things that this joy that came at Christmas does for us. And number one, it's different than happiness. Here's the second thing about this joy. This joy is a fruit. This joy that Jesus brought at Christmas is a fruit. Look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 with me. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Listen, joy is a fruit, which means it's connected to a root system. This is what this means. Joy cannot produce joy itself. You can't increase your joy with joy. Your joy is the byproduct of something else. Joy is a fruit that is a product of something much bigger and stronger, and it's the product of Jesus Christ himself. Joy is a fruit because it's connected to the root of Jesus Christ. This is what I mean. The fruit of joy impacting our external circumstances and our world in general is only possible if we've planted ourselves in Christ Jesus. When we are rooted and planted in him, he produces his fruit in our lives, all of his fruit, and that includes joy. So joy in our external circumstances and in our soul is the byproduct of living in relationship with Jesus Christ. Joy is only produced out of relationship with him. And let me give you a couple things about fruit real quick because joy is a fruit. The first thing is that you can't fake it. You can't fake fruit. Okay, you can't give me something that's bitter and make me believe it's sweet. You can't give me a piece of broccoli and make me believe it's an apple. There is nothing about broccoli that makes me think apple. It's not the right color. It's not the right texture. It definitely don't taste right. You cannot fake fruit. Fruit is sweet, and it produces a sweetness in your life. Bitterness cannot do that. You can't fake fruit. And whether you know it or not, the people in your sphere of influence, they are picking up on what you're putting down. you You can't pretend that you've got joy when they don't feel joy around you. And they don't experience joy when you come walking into the room. You can't fake fruit. You might be able to fake happiness for a while. In fact, I know a whole lot of people that have gotten really good at that. But you can't fake joy. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 20, he said, you'll know a tree by the fruit it bears. What does that mean? The fruit of your life always points back to your root system. The fruit of your life reveals your character. It reveals the contents of your heart. And you can't fool people long because your fruit will give you away. Eventually, they will see it. You can't fake fruit. And joy is a fruit. There was a girl that we went to college with and we've known for a long time. And, um, you know, she was a real sweet girl in college. She really loved the Lord. She was going after God. She was just very passionate about her relationship with Jesus. And she got done with school and moved home. And I, I, I know that she went through some pretty discouraging and disappointing circumstances in her life. But, I mean, we stayed friends on Facebook. And I just noticed that, man, there were these drastic changes that began to happen in her. You know, like she would essentially, you know, do a selfie a day. And so you could see like, oh, she's got a new hair color. Okay, she's lost a lot of weight. Okay, she's, she's, she wears a lot of makeup now. And okay, she's showing off her outfit. And it was pretty much every day. And I, I noticed in the comments, like, people kept saying, oh, you look so happy. You look so happy. You look great. You must, you must be so happy. And I'm thinking like, I, I don't think she looks happy. 
I think she's trying to make you think she's happy. Because what I see when I look at all these selfies is I see the look of despair in her face. I see a broken heart. <laughs> I see a heart that needs to be healed. And I don't know why she's pulled away from Jesus, but he's, he's the one who can heal her. Not all the accolades that she's getting by posting all of this stuff. We can fake happy and we can fool people with it. There's a lot of people that embrace a counterfeit form of happiness. It's the promises of happiness from the world. It's whatever they put in front of them. So they begin chasing after these things like fame and notoriety. They chase after a platform. They chase after a following. They chase after all of these words that people throw at them. Some people chase after alcohol and drugs. Why would they throw their life away? You wonder. It's because they think this is going to make me happy. They don't sign up to throw their life away. They sign up because they're looking for something that will make them happy. And the world told them this is what you need. And they bought into the the lie of the world. It's relationships for a lot of people. It's I just need this man in my life or I just need this woman in my life. And if I just found the right relationship, I could finally be happy. It is a lie from the enemy. All of these things are, are not real. They are counterfeit forms of happiness and they are definitely not the same thing as joy. And if it was real happiness, listen to me, you wouldn't feel miserable the next day. It's not real. And we've got to get out of this pattern where we're just chasing after things and we're going after this and we're going after that and this person said this, so I'm going to run after it. No, 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 no. Jesus on the inside of you is producing a different fruit that comes out on the outside of you and it begins to change everything around you. The key is Jesus and living for him. It's all about Jesus. Joy is real. It's tangible. It's powerful. According to Isaiah chapter 61, I love this. It's everlasting. It does not fluctuate based on your circumstances. It's an everyday reality in spite of your circumstances. You can't fake joy because the fruit of your life reveals the soil of your heart. Joy is a fruit and you can't fake it. Here's something else about fruit. Fruit can't be forced to grow. In other words, you can't force yourself to have more joy. Have you ever looked at someone and just wanted to say, just become joyful? <laughs> have you ever wanted to do that? Just come on, get some joy in your life. You know, you, just, you cannot force somebody to have joy. You can't force yourself to have joy. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. I want you to understand this. The job of the Holy Spirit in your life is to grow you and cause you to become more like Jesus. And the minute that you come into relationship with God through Jesus Christ, and you make him your Lord and Savior, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes into your heart and he begins to work on you. What's he doing? He's making you more like Jesus. What does that look like? He's producing the fruit of Christ's likeness in you. The Holy Spirit is a gardener and his job is to bring forth the fruit of Christ in your life. That's what he does. So as you begin to change and become more like Jesus over time, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. And you might be here today and you might be thinking, well, you know, I thought I was saved, but man, I don't have a lot of joy. There must be something wrong with me. Listen to me. There's nothing wrong with you. You're just in process, just like the rest of us. If you've believed on Jesus and you've made him your Lord and Savior, listen to me. The Holy Spirit is working in you and he is producing something better in you. You just need to be patient and stay in that process. As long as you stay connected to the vine, the Holy Spirit will keep doing his work in your life. Now, you play a role in your spiritual growth as well. Just like a tree needs sunlight and rainwater and fertilizer to produce good fruit, 
You can help the process of spiritual growth by choosing to engage in things that help you grow spiritually. So I'm talking about things like coming to church. Super important. Spending time with people who lift you up rather than tear you down. Come on, getting, getting into God's word. Engaging with him through worship and prayer every day. I love Jeremiah 15 and 16. The scripture says, when your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight. See, see, the Holy Spirit can use the word of God to produce fruit in you, the fruit of godliness, the fruit of joy. But that fruit cannot be forced. It has to be cultivated and nourished and intentionally grown in our lives as we work together with the Holy Spirit to live for God. And when joy is real, it always points back to the source of our joy, which is Christ Jesus himself. I'm giving you three things today about this joy that was delivered to the world at Christmas time. Number one, this joy is different than happiness. Number two, it's a fruit in your life being produced by the Holy Spirit who is in you. And thirdly, joy is a choice. This joy is a choice. Look back at Luke chapter 2 verse 10 again. The angel said to the shepherds, he said, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Now, what that means is that joy has been made available to all people. Great joy has been given. But in order to have this joy, you've got to go to the source of this joy, which is Christ Jesus himself. Listen, that's why the angel told them next. He followed that up, that proclamation. There's, there's great joy for all the people. Then the angel said, this is how you can find that joy. You will find great joy wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger in the town of Bethlehem. In other words, you'll find this joy when you find Jesus. And that, my friends, is your choice to make. You have to choose joy by choosing Jesus. And the truth is, even for people that have already found Jesus, and he's living on the inside of us, the Holy Spirit's working in us, we know that, he's producing his fruit in us. The truth is, sometimes living with joy can be a challenge. Sometimes, in spite of of our feelings and circumstances, we have to choose joy, and sometimes that's a daily choice we have to make. Just the other day, I was driving in traffic here in Colorado Springs, and I had to choose joy, and it went against my nature in that moment, because this lady was driving crazy, and I was just like, what is wrong with you? I love you in Jesus' name. Joy. <laughs> I had to choose joy yesterday when Alabama beat Georgia again. You Alabama fans, there's something wrong with you. There is. I, you know, we can talk about it later. Probably need some counseling. I need counseling. They beat them again, y'all. What is going on? I had to choose joy. It hurt. Sometimes we have to choose joy in spite of our circumstances, not feeling so joyful. And that's exactly what the scripture tells us to do in James chapter 1, verse 2. Look at this. James writes, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. What? I can choose joy when I face trials? Yeah, he says consider it joy. Or the old King James, count it all joy when you face hardship and difficulty. Count it all joy when you feel anxiety and fear. Count it all joy 
when you deal with disappointing circumstances. Well, wait a minute. What about when the outcome of my life is not what I expected? Yeah, consider it pure joy. In all these things, consider them through the lens and the perspective of joy. And see, that's the key word in James chapter 1, verse 2. It's the word consider. To consider something means to make a careful observation of it. What is that saying? It's saying when you look at this stuff that's happening in your life, think about the perspective that you're looking at it with. Think about the lens that you're looking at it through. We can actually choose to see things in our lives from the perspective of pure joy, and that choice can change the outcome of our circumstances and our situations entirely. Listen to me today. So many times, the outcome of a season or an event in our lives is directly tied to our perspective while we're going through it. See, our perspective is the thing that often shapes our reality. And that's why faith is so important. That's why the Bible tells us to see it with eyes of faith. We can choose to do that. I guarantee you, if you live your life beginning to count it all joy, and it's not easy. I struggle with this too, okay? Let yourself off the hook for a minute. But if you begin to live your life counting it all joy, more often than not, you will rise above it rather than be sunk by it. If you will choose joy, if you'll start living your life that way, your setbacks will routinely just become setups for the next thing that God is trying to do in your life, which is so much greater than what you thought it was going to be. If you'll count it all joy, your blessings will far outweigh the hardships and disappointments, and your nights of mourning will certainly give way to dancing and rejoicing. Joy is that powerful. And you can choose joy in any and every circumstance. You can count it all joy and watch how God will show up and begin to work in your life. So many times, the outcome of our circumstances is dependent on our perspective while we're going through it. That is a word for somebody here today. You got to get it. I want the band to come up and begin to play softly as we get ready to close. But I want you to see this because the Apostle Paul maybe understood this better than anybody else. If you look at what he wrote in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and the truth is he wrote about this a lot, this whole perspective of joy. Look what he said in 2 Corinthians 4 and 7. He said, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Welcome to the stage, my friend. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Listen to me. How many times do you immediately go to, I'm being destroyed by this? Or, I'm abandoned in this. Look at what Paul's saying. This jar of clay, this earthen vessel that I am, that is subject to everything going on outside of me, there is a power at work on the inside of me, even in the midst of all of that. And look what he says in verse 16. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, inwardly we're being renewed day by day. What does that mean? My joy doesn't run out every single day. I've got fresh joy that I need for that day, every single day. 
Just like the manna that came from heaven for the children of Israel while they walked through the desert, every day there is the grace you need for that day and that moment. It is renewed every single day for our light and momentary troubles. They are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Watch this. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. See, it's all about perspective. It's all about how you choose to see it. And you can choose to see it through the lens of joy today. You can choose joy. Joy is a choice. You can live your life counting it all joy. And it is easier said than done. God knows. But if we'll start doing that, listen, the outcome of our lives, the way we think and process the things that happen to us, the way that we interact with others, it will be so different when we begin to count it all joy. Come on, stand with me all across the room right now with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I want to invite you just to have a moment of reflection.